This is a shock podcast. Hello and welcome to the Podball Sportscast, the podcast that's stocking up on popcorn for a nail-biting Premier League title race. I am Faisal Merikan. I prefer my popcorn with salt and butter. Joining me today in the house of Pod is Nicholas John. Hello, hello. He doesn't need salty popcorn because he's already old and salty. And uh, we have Karami Kamil. What's happening, guys? He's back after a long injury layoff. He accidentally cut himself while shaving. What can I say? It was a deep wound. Now, let's start with the uh, Premier League. Um, You know the saying, squeaky bum time, right? I'm guessing this is it. Uh, Man City missed out on a chance to go six points clear at the top of the table. Uh, They had a goalless draw at Crystal Palace despite dominating. It's the uh, second time they failed to score in the league this season. Interestingly, uh, the other time this happened was when they lost uh, 2-0 to Palace back in October. Now, City had 74% possession and uh, 18 shots, of which four were on target. Pep Guardiola's side hit the woodwork twice and uh, Emmerich Laporte failed to find uh, the back of the net uh, with the goal at his mercy. Uh, kudos to Palace for sitting back and uh, limiting uh, City's uh, space, right? Yeah, this is one of those games where... It just didn't work out for City. And you're right, kudos to Palace for their hard work and tenacity to keep City at bay. Uh, For much of this game, it was a case of City launching an attack, Palace repelling them, and then you just repeat this cycle. And it's not for a lack of trying as well. You know, like you mentioned, City had the possession, they had shots on target, they hit the woodwork, uh, they, they pretty much did everything but score. And every now and then, you you do get matches like this, even teams as good as City. But I just wonder now what kind of mental impact this will have on the City players, you know, because they've gone from having a massive lead to now just four, and potentially by the end of the week, that could be cut down even further to just one point. And you could notice towards the end of the end of the Palace game, the City players were, were looking a bit rattled. You know, they were arguing and yelling at each other. They were committing fouls out of frustration. So I wonder if a little bit of doubt has now crept in into the City team, you know, especially with Liverpool so close behind them and breathing down their necks. Um, yes, but uh, just to add on Nick's point, I think why... Pep Guardiola needs to be more wary about his defence based on that match. I thought Crystal Palace did give uh, the City defence quite a bit of trouble. Uh, Kyle Walker, for instance, he lost possession uh, in one or two situations uh, at the back line. And uh, if if only Palace strikers would have been more lethal or more sharp in front of the City goal, uh, they would have lost that match and could... Palace could easily be one of their one of City's bo- bogey side, right? So, in terms of not scoring goals, I think it is not it's it's not a big concern for Pep or and, uh, and City because they were creating chances. It's just that they did not finish the chances. But back to their defensive line, I thought they were a bit a bit rocky in that game. City, it's their second consecutive match where they uh, drew blanks after their nil-nil draw against Sporting Lisbon. Uh, um, I'm not sure, but maybe Pep Guardiola could be regretting not getting a new striker in January? He could, but 
based on city system uh, i think any players you could have, you could have even put who a piece of wood as their striker and that wood could have scored for city that's my take on it mm-hmm. um because there's a, too much quality uh, in city uh, de bruyne can play as a false nine sterling phil foden previously before leaving for barca ferran torres played as a striker and they still have Gabriel Jesus. They just do not have an all an out and out striker. That's the problem. But based on the goals they've scored this season, I don't think that really is the problem. And again, I have to agree with Nick. This uh, this this match was just a blip in their performance this season, because previously when they drew nil nil against Sporting Lisbon, they were already up five nil on aggregate. So that wasn't much of a big deal. Uh, so I don't think I don't really think that. Pep really needs a striker right now. He just needs to get his players to be more confident and hopefully they can score goals in the coming matches if they want to retain their EPL title. All right. The result means that Palace are in 11th place, just one point off the top 10. As for City, uh, their lead is down to just four points against Liverpool, who beat Brighton 2-0 at the weekend. Uh, Liverpool have a superior goal difference and a game in hand, which they will play in the midweek clash against Arsenal. A win there will see the uh, Reds narrowing City's lead down to just one point. Uh, All this is gearing up for a title showdown between City and Liverpool at the uh, Etihad next month, if... Liverpool beat Arsenal. Uh, Karam, um, something tells me you don't think uh, the Reds are going to get a result? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, I do think so because Arsenal is in their best form, I think, under Mikel Arteta this season. They have won five on the trot, if I'm not mistaken. So they are, And they are playing beautiful, beautiful football like the Arsenal of old. I'm not saying that it's a guaranteed win or a guaranteed draw for Arsenal, but Liverpool is going to have a tough, tough ass if they want to collect all three points uh, against Arsenal because, uh, like I said, Arsenal has been really, really superb. I thought Gabriel Martinelli is has been a revelation for Arsenal this season along with Bukayo Saka. And just, just to throw it out, just to throw it out there, Lacazette have... Scored again after going, what, nine or ten games without scoring uh, in the last game. So, it's going to be a great, great match. But it's going to be very, very difficult for Liverpool to get all three points, in my view. But you see, the thing is, if, if, if the Reds somehow manage to beat the Gunners, then... And and this is what I'm, I'm, I'm actually hoping will happen. Then the showdown between City and Liverpool next month could potentially be the title decider, you know, in a sense that whoever wins that match at the Etihad will in all likelihood go on to win the league. And for me, it's it's been so long since we have had a situation where one game, one match determines so much. So I, I'm really hoping uh, that, that Liverpool manages to beat Arsenal and, and we be head into this crunch match at the Etihad next month. That As a neutral, I, I think it's brilliant. Come on, we're hardly neutrals in this, man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Karam's a secret gooner, so... (laughs) Also in the Premier League this weekend, uh, Chelsea, despite their ongoing situation, had a 1-0 win over Newcastle to uh, remain in third place. Arsenal are in fourth with a 2-0 win over Leicester. They're one point ahead of fifth place Manchester United with three games in hand. Uh, United, of course, had a 3-2 win over Tottenham thanks to a Cristiano Ronaldo hat-trick. 
Harry Maguire also was on the score sheet, an own goal, uh, an own goal gift for Spurs. Uh, Karam, I'm sure you have a few words to say about this match, uh, and uh, especially why Harry Maguire is still captain. Um, he just proved why he's worth 80 million pounds, I guess, <laughs> for a defender to score a goal. Um, okay, Maguire aside, I thought it was a it wasn't the best performance collectively for United in that match, but. Uh, that again, this is why Ronaldo was brought into, brought back to Old Trafford, right? For these kind of moments, these kind of matches, uh, scoring a hat trick with just five touches, I think, if I'm not mistaken, because the first Ronaldo's first goal was was like he was rewinding back to the old days. Uh, the sec the second goal was a tap in, and the header was classic Ronaldo in his prime. Um, it's just it's a great great lift for United uh, to win that match against Spurs. Uh, I'm still thinking that they won't make it to the top four just because Arsenal have three games in hand now and Arsenal are leading by a point uh, in fourth. Uh, but I hope that this could be a turnaround turning point for United this season. Uh, it's a great great lift, a great momentum to have. We are coming into the Champions League match against Atletico Madrid. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned Ronaldo, right? I, I want to touch touch on that a little bit. For me, I think we have seen in the last few games why Ronaldo is such a difficult player to manage. Because, like you mentioned, in the Spurs match, he was simply fantastic. You know, three goals, and also he's now what is it, the highest scoring player in world football, right? Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. He he put in the type of performance that would make any manager pick him. But then two matches ago, he was missing chances against Watford. And the kind of performance there was leading people to question, you know, if maybe he's, he's not the player he used to be and all that. And then when you try and take him out of the starting eleven to start him from the bench, like supposedly what happened before the, the Manchester derby, he throws a tantrum and then he doesn't want to play. So you can understand why Ralph Rangnick must be damn burning with Ronaldo right now. And, and, and probably why he said earlier that he feels... United needs a new striker this season. You know, he, he he's like that that flawed genius. He's capable of so much, but he also gives you so much trouble. You know. Yeah, but in case for Ronaldo's case, Ronaldo's case, I think he he's used to be the main man in all the team that he's played before. So I think it's very it's difficult for him to to admit that he's thirty seven. He's on the decline, and he should not be the main man anymore. I think he's having trouble dealing with that. And coming from the bench or being dropped from the team, I don't think he really likes that. But this is where the great, great, the good managers comes in, right? Uh, I'm not saying that Randy is one of them, <laughs> but he should be able to manage what Ronaldo's Ronaldo's tantrums is. Because if if it's good for the team, he might he might as well say to Ronaldo, Ronaldo, this is for the good of the team. Uh, you need to come from the bench. Uh, just do not play in this match. I think that is what managers are supposed to do. So, um, I get your point, Nick, that he was missing chances in the Watford game. But I thought for most of the season, he hasn't been getting the supply that he really should be getting. That's why he's... His form is not that good this season. Uh, in the Tottenham game, I I don't know. Maybe if Ronaldo starts every time for United and the attack goes through him, the the focal attacking point goes through him. I think United would be better now com- compared to what where they are. Also, 
Everton registered their fourth defeat in five matches with a 1-0 loss to Wolves. Uh, the result left them just one point above the relegation zone. Uh, if there was ever one job uh, that you would regret taking, besides this one, I'm just kidding. Uh, if there was ever <laughs> one job that uh, you would regret taking, uh, I'm sure Frank Lampard is uh, regretting it right now. <laughs> and you must be loving this as a Liverpool supporter. Lah. You know, you've got... The Reds fighting for the title, and if you've got Everton on the verge of relegation, everything's working for you guys this season. It's United struggling to get into the top four. You did, United struggling to get into the top four. <laughs> well, it's well, City is still on top, so it's not peachy keen for me either. Oh, now you're playing the humble card, Vaisa. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on to Formula One. Um, it's been a tumultuous few weeks for Haas. Uh, they cut ties with a Russian sponsor and dropped Russian driver Nikita Mazepin, who I'm sure everyone agrees was a huge Haas hole. Uh, <laughs> I put that in specifically for that joke. Uh, previously, uh, we talked about Haas possibly hiring a replacement from Formula 2, but that hasn't happened. Or should I say that hasn't happened? Please stop. Instead, Haas uh, re-signed former driver Kevin Magnussen. Uh, all things considered, it's a good appointment, right? Um, at the very least, uh, there's an experienced driver to compliment Mick Schumacher. Absolutely. And, and, and it's good to see K-Mag making a return. Uh, I think it's a brilliant... Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> K-Mag, what? I, I think it's a brilliant move by Haas. You know, after the whole... Mazepin fiasco, they'll want to just get on with their season, get straight down to business, and, and Magnuson can do just that. You're right about his, his, his uh, experience. He has around, I think, 120 or so race starts in Formula 1. So he knows the sport, he knows the pressure that comes along with it, and more importantly, he knows the team, having raced with them up until uh, 2020. So with Magnuson, Haas essentially has a driver who is ready to go. You know, all, all he needs is a bit of time to, to get used to the car and then it's down to business for him. You compare this to a younger driver. You mentioned earlier that they were looking at some drivers from uh, Formula 2 and all that. Uh, they will need to come up, get used to the car, uh, get used to a new environment in the sport. And, and more importantly, they'll have to learn how to handle the pressure because some of these young drivers, yes, they have done some F1 testing, but the pressure on race day is a completely different beast altogether, which is something that Magnussen will know all about. So uh, I think good move bringing Magnussen back in. I, I, he's, in my opinion, uh, the right man for the job. Yeah, speaking of pressure, he's also used to the pressure of uh, boss Gunther Steiner's hairdryer. <laughs> I'm sure if you've watched the uh, Drive to Survive documentary from a few years ago, um, Magnussen and his teammate Roman Grosjean were getting chewed up by Steiner and I tell you, um, it's one for the ages. Gene spends hundreds of million a year of his own f***ing money, which f***ing wants to pull the plug and let everybody down because you are two f***ing idiots. I have not more to f***ing say to you guys. And if you don't like it, I don't need you here. Do not come back, please. <laughs> With all the bleeps, it sounds like a hospital ICU. Eh? <laughs> Moving on to the German Badminton Open. Uh, Gozi Fei and Nori Zudin won the men's doubles title after beating their Chinese opponents in the final. Earlier, uh, Li Zijia suffered a shock defeat in the semis. Um, yes, it's a great, great win for Zifei and Norizuddin. Their first title in five years, if I'm not mistaken. Their last win was at the Malaysian International Challenge in 2017. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. So it's a great, great win 
for for the young pair uh, it's a great boost for them coming into the all england uh, next the the thing that i would love to point out is that they went through all their matches they won all of it in rubber sets except for the semi final so uh, I thought it's a great breath of fresh air that Zifia Nur Izzuddin is on the map right now. Uh, mm. It's their first title in the World Series. So hopefully everything goes well for them. Meanwhile, for Zijia, uh, like Faisal said, it was a shock defeat against the number 20 in the world from Thailand. Uh, he, Zijia lost straight set. I thought if he would have... He was way, way below par in that match. So... It's. Uh, I think it was. Uh, it was a missed opportunity because if he did advance to the final, he would be facing an Indian counterpart because Victor Axelsen lost in the semis as well. But just to play the devil's advocate today, maybe both Zija and Axelsen just purposely dropped out because they are focusing on the All England coming up. Conspiracy theories. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, we're going to give some time for Karam to remove his tinfoil hat. Uh, <laughs> 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 hey, did you see uh, Zifi and Norizuddin's uh, prizes? I think they were computer graphics cards. Yeah, they were graphics yeah, cards yeah. as well, yeah. Hey, given the <laughs> prizes right now, man, that is more than worth their weight in gold, I tell you. <laughs> Bloody Bitcoin miners. Um <laughs> Finally, our uh, gymnastics queen, Farah Ann Hadi, announced her retirement at the age of 27. She ended a career that saw her win a total of seven SEA Games gold medals and uh, 12 medals overall, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's about time that she retires because at the age of 27, for a gymnast, it's, it's, how do I say it nicely? It's, it's it's time, I guess, <laughs> that she, she retires. And I think one of her greatest achievements is that she qualified for the Tokyo Olympics a couple of years back. So um, being the third ever gymnast from Malaysia to make an appearance at the Olympics after uh, 2000 and 2004, I thought that was her peak. Uh, of course, she did not win any title, but just being there representing Malaysia, I thought that was great. Farah Ann says she still plans to be involved in the sport in some capacity. So whatever comes next, uh, we wish you all the best, girl. Well, that wraps it up for yet another episode of the Podball Sportscast. But before we go, I just want to say it's okay to seek help when you feel that life is out to get you and you don't see an end in sight. You're never alone in facing it, my friends. There's no shame in asking for a helping hand. In fact, it makes you more awesome than you already are. And uh, please be kind to one another. A little kindness goes a long way. Stay awesome, my friends. Take care of your health, both physically and mentally, we love you all. I am Faisal Merikan. I am Karami Kamil. And I'm Nicholas John. 